Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. And kicking off the show, one of my favorite people, uh, I consider him a twin because we're literally born on the same day. I know another person born on the exact same day, Bishop Talbert Swan, but he's the other twin, uh, the yin to my yang. He has a new book out that we're going to talk about because it's amazing, Grocery Shopping with My Mother. And I want to talk with him about a whole bunch of other stuff too. Let me welcome the one and only Kevin Powell is here. Hi. You are muted. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Hello. Come on, don't don't act your age, brother. Come on. This <laughs> is gonna keep the applause going till you speak. Say something. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't hear you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Cause I'm not, go- I'm not going that way. So you, you're going to be there by yourself. Oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not rebuke it. Either. I'm not, okay. I'm not. Oh, it's great. to great to hear you and see you again. Thank, Good you, to be seen. Thank you for coming through. Appreciate you. Uh, there's so much going on in the world uh, today and I'm on this journey. I was just, <sighs> so it's been like a world days just where I'm in, I'm in a period of obedience and stillness. Mm. And, you know, as I'm looking forward to uh, 2023, which is weird, you know, these years are just piling up. I'm like, I want I'm setting and framing my life a certain way and I'm going to share it with the audience. So I'm, I'm doing these daily walks and I'm listening to all of these books and uh, on through Audible. And I was, you know, wondering how as I'm reading grocery shopping with my mother, by the way, um, masterful sitting I'm going through uh and I'm actually going to ask you if I can borrow a stanza for a book project that I'm working on because it was just yeah I'm like okay thank you because you know you gotta get permission or you can only use three lines you know uh before you get sued (laughs) I don't want to get sued by nobody no I'm not suing you (laughs) all right appreciate it um but I was like this ode to your mother is raw it's Mm. gritty it's powerful it's honest in a way that i expect from you but i was just like man you you did the damn thing so before we get into these other topics um you you said during the pandemic you you had these thoughts a lot of these poems in this book were you know you borrowed from before but this particular um ode i feel like it's an ode to your mom came out of your experience now being a caretaker. And I yes. think about this as people are listening, many of us are uh, evolving into these roles of from being parented to now being parents to our parents or being, being caretakers. And, and there was a, 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 a phrase where you talked about, you know, you holding her the way she must, you looked into her eyes the way she must've looked into your eyes as a baby. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. who that, that flip, that flip. Um, and never saying, I love you, never not liking to be touched and all of the things you think of mothering. And you've talked about this in other books, but the way, so, so talk about this grocery grocery shopping with my mother. First of all, thank you so much. Um, just for the opportunity. Uh, it's, it's 36 poems. Only four are actually old poems. I crashed a lot of the poems in the last two or three years, honestly. Um, had a lot on my mind and I hadn't, this is my first poetry book. This is my 15th book, but my first poetry book, Karen, in 14 years, I literally had walked away from poetry, which 
I regret now because I was like, man, I missed it so much. Um, life happens, you know, but uh, my mother got sick. You know, we, as you said it, a lot of us, we, you know, people have lost their fathers, their mothers, other elders in their family. And um, you do become at a certain point, like the parent, the caretaker. And it was, it was, and I'm an only child, you know, as I've talked about on the show before with you. And so the whole mental health component of that and trying to deal with the fact that I'm going to have to carry the weight of this by myself, you know, um, my mother and my aunt, uh, both are in Jersey city, my hometown, my home state, as you know, uh, uh, but my mother got sick, you know, and as I talk about in the, in the title poem, you know, the most shocking thing for me was going to the hospital, you know, I had gotten a call and I had to rush to Jersey to the hospital and just seeing her laying on a table, you know, and I was crying profusely because you don't, you know, you hear these stories of people who just lost their mothers and fathers. I'm trying not to get emotional talking about it, but it's just, it's difficult, but also what it unveils is just the complications of our relationships. My mother came from, um, James Baldwin to call it, Karen, as you know, the old world, the old country, you know what I mean? Some of us may have family from the South or the Caribbean or Latin America or Asia, wherever our parents came from, our grandparents came from. And so they had their culture. And my mother's, where she came from, her environment, her immediate environment, there was no, I love you. There was no hugging and kissing, was none of that. You know, you knew the fa family cared because they raised you. That was just pretty the basics, you know what I'm saying? And so she literally packed that up and brought that to New Jersey, where I was born and raised. And meanwhile, you know, I'm a sensitive child. I, I realized, I mean, I'm an artist, obviously. I didn't know I was an artist as a kid, but I've always been someone who was like, you know, well, I would like to hear some expressions of this. You know what I mean? Do you really love me? Boy, don't ask me them fool questions. You know what I'm saying, Karen? We ain't going to talk about that. A lot of the stuff that I believe is, is goes back to how we were treated on those plantations during slavery. You just couldn't show certain kinds of energies. You know, you weren't allowed to express yourself in certain kind of ways, certain things you just didn't talk about. And so that was a big part of my upbringing. But my mama didn't realize when she gave birth to me, she was giving birth to a writer, to a poet who's going to write about everything and talk about everything. And, you know, and so it's a love poem to her. You know, I thought about when I wrote the title poem, I thought a lot about how Alice Walker wrote uh, uh, The Color Purple and, and it was Dear God. And so I thought about that. That's where mm -hmm. that came from. I thought a lot about... Um, how much Whoopi Goldberg means to my mother as a dark-skinned Black woman. And, and Can, can I read I, that? Yeah. Can I read that? Yeah, yeah please. Oh, maybe you should read it. I believe my mother loves Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, God. Let me find the page real quick. Hold on. Page 10. I, I, I had a feeling you, you said page 10. I think it's page 10, yeah. I had a feeling you were going to ask me to um, read something. I well, I'd rather you read it because I'm, you know, I don't want to mess up your your good your good writing with, with my with my malaprops and mispronunciations. <laughs> well, it's, it, the poem is called Grocery Shopping with My Mother, and the lines go, Ma ain't know nothing about no sexism or no classism. Ma ain't know nothing about Bell Hooks or Toni Morrison or Alice Walker, but she knew she was Seely before Seely was Seely in the color purple. This guy is why, to this day, I believe my mother loves Whoopi Goldberg, because when Ma sees Whoopi in the movies, she sees herself crashing through the broken glass of a dream deferred. And then you go on you know, um, to talk about this God is why black people got therapy sessions. Oh, we name field hollers, spirituals, the underground railroad, the blues, jazz, church, dance, the chitlin circuit, prayer circles, funk, hip hop, Holy ghost, barbershops. Oh my God. I was like, Shh, damn. And I, I never thought about that as our therapy, but you know, when we say we don't, have therapy we absolutely find them in barbershops and beauty parlors we find them in churches and and dance halls we find them in the places where we feel most comfortable which is why it's important that we you know embrace those things and not you know and go seek therapy 
like licensed therapy. But this we this has been our hoping. In the Karen Hunter show. We find it in the Karen Hunter show. I'm gonna tell you, sister, last time I was on the show, I think I hung out with you for two or however long it was. It was a couple of hours it felt like I have I got so many incredible messages about what a healing space this show is for people. And so we find it in radio personnel, radio hosts, people who are media folks like yourself who've said, I'm going to create this platform for people because we need this. And not everybody's going to go to therapy the way I might go or you might go. Folks, still the stigmas around it. You might not feel comfortable talking to a stranger, but if you feel like you have something in common with people, like what you've created as a platform, that's a healing circle. That's a healing circle. That's no different than the older woman in that scene in Beloved, Toni Morrison's Beloved, where the people are just congregating around her. They're healing. They're healing. That's what you represent. And, you know, um, my mama, you know, God bless her, um, it's, it's tragic what racism and sexism together have done to Black women in this country and on this planet, as you well know. It's tragic if people are not able to get formal educations, able to process certain things. You know, I think my mother's one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life, but because her education was snatched from her because of segregation, because, you know, uh, only the boy, her youngest brother was allowed to finish high school. All the girls had to just go work and be the help, et cetera. It, 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 it unwittingly, uh, it, it, it narrowed her way of seeing the world. And so that's what I was born into. But my mother didn't realize that she actually was a visionary because it's because of her that I started reading at an early age. And it was because of her, I went to a library and fell in love with books. It's because of her that I became a writer because she's the first storyteller I ever met. And so I feel that part of my responsibility as a writer, as a Black writer, is to take the stories that I hear, including my own family, and do it with love. You know, yes, it's raw. Yes, it's honest. But the thing that I've been very conscious of, and this is where my own therapy and, and, and spiritual work has come in, is like I, I had to get to a place of forgiveness and, and, and compassion for my mother so that I can tell her mm. story in a way that humanizes her. Because, mm. you know, it, it, this is our people. This is our people we're talking about. And we've been through... Horrific stuff, Karen Hunter. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Look at all the stuff that you have on your walls right behind you. You know what I'm talking about. As you're, as you're, as I'm reading um, this ode to your mother, I'm thinking about my dad too, um, mm. because he was raised in Newark, but his family's from South Carolina <laughs> in a very brutal home with yeah. a lot of poverty, rats, rats and roaches, and a lot of violence. And yeah. you know, for him to come out of that to become all of the things that he ended up becoming, but it was complicated. And I think about growing up, never hearing that until he was sick, you know, and then he wanted to get real sensitive. I was like, but you raised now somebody that just you know, don't need to hear that now. So now we got, what we going to do emotions now? When, what is happening? You know? So that flip watching that when his own mortality was in front of him changed him in a way that I was like, I love you. I was like, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> for you um has your mother wow. made that flip into that you know it's funny you ask the question she every now and then i'll with me you know my mother and i what i started doing years ago probably in the last in this century at least <laughs> my mother, you know like a lot of black folks she believes deeply in god and so i'll just say my, god bless you mother so that became my way of saying i love you at the end of our phone calls or when i'm leaving her house in jersey god bless you god bless you too and every now and then she'll, you know, I'll say, I love you, mother. I love you too. It, every, rarely. <laughs> because who has loved her? Who's who's loved her? You know what I mean? And and it's just, it's hard, man. You know, and it's like you, you know, I, 
it's kind of connected, Karen, because you know I've been working on this Tupac book forever, ever. So that's the that's coming. It's coming, y'all. It is definitely coming. But it's been a deep dive. I've gone all the way back to ancient Africa through colonization, slavery, middle passage, you know, uh, uh, segregation, all of it. And the thing I keep thinking about, it is a miracle that Black people are here in this country, in the Caribbean, all over Latin America, Black folk, wherever we are on the planet, England, Toronto, Africa, given all that we've been through, and why would our mental health not be delicate given all that we survived? You know what I mean? So how do we, because I, I look at your mom in this book as a metaphor for the greater us, right? So you're, yeah. telling a story, you're telling stories through this, and it does read like songs in the key of life. There is, I feel, oh, I was like, and I'm not a poetry person because that's in touch with your emotions. I ain't really trying to do all of that. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, what you trying to do, Kevin Powell? What is this? What is this? All right, I'm going to have to stop reading because I ain't trying to be all all caught mm. up like that. But um. <laughs> that's probably why I've never really tapped into poetry. Cause I'm like, that requires, you know, something more than what I want to want to delve into at this point in time, being transparent. That said, I respect that as, as we, as we navigate this thing called life, you know, what, what is your coping mechanism besides, you know, cause I was thinking about this as I'm putting together this plan, mapping out this plan for 2023 for this mm -hmm. space that we're in right now. I was like, well, this is, I've been on a 25 year journey. You know, it was like people, people feel like, oh, you're overnight success or you, you know, things just happen. Even the process of writing, I got to get back to, and it's a process for me. Cause I'm not a natural born gifted writer uh, mm. as you are, or many other people. Like I don't just sit down and bang things out. It is for me very much uh, a technique. It is very much, you know, repetition. It is very much work. It is work to write books for me. So, which means I have to put the work in to get the work out and I realized having been away from it I can't just get it's not like riding a bike I can't just mm -hmm. jump back on and bang out 15 chapters in a in a week and you know like let's go I I used to but I you know that's when I was writing every day but what what is your process Ooh, well let me say this first and foremost I think that um everything every way that we speak as a people is poetry if you're from the Carolinas, it's Geechee Gullah. If you're from Jamaica, it's Patois. If you're from Haiti, it's it's Creole. Uh, uh, if you're if you're a black person from certain parts of the UK, it's Cockney. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that just the way we speak is poetry. When you're talking about your father, I imagined his South Carolina and North New Jersey accents coming together, like that's poetry. And I think that I want to demystify it because it's like you know I love poetry. I was one of those kids who grew up loving. You know, before I knew there were black writers, <laughs> I love Shakespeare. I love Edgar Allan Poe's poetry, the sonnets of Shakespeare. I love Keats. I love Emily Dickinson. But when I discovered Sonia Sanchez and Mary Baraka and Langston and the poetry of Their Eyes of Watching God, which is fiction, but the way she wrote Their Eyes of Watching God is poetry. But then also our music. So you, Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, that's poetry. Bob Marley's poetry. Fela's poetry. Billie Holiday is poetry. You know, the sisters talking in a hair salon, that's poetry. Uh, you know, the way folks are talking about T.J. Holmes and Amy from ABC's Good Morning America, that's poetry. You feel is what I'm it, saying? Is that poetry? It's funny <laughs> as hell. It's sad, but it's, it, we'll get to that. It's sad, okay. but the language that we're using to describe stuff because we're we have a way with words as a as a people and so i think all this poetry then my process is writing is hard i don't just spit things there's two ways that i write once sometimes stuff comes to me like the last poem in grocery shopping with my, mo my mother is called son to mother which is an inversion of langston hughes's famous poem mother to my mother to son i wrote that in two settings boom it came out of me 
this poem, the title poem, it took me a month or two to get it out of me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it was hard because I've now, I've, I'm at a point now where I'm like, man, I pray that my mother lives a long life. I want to write a poem that's going to really honor her no matter how long or how short her life's going to be. I'm responsible for her. Literally, when your mama starts giving you the keys to the house and here's where I keep the money and here's the access to the bank accounts and she's going to church more than ever because you know how Black folks start saying, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be here that long. You act like I'm going to be here forever. That has a devastating effect on you. So my process is both organic. Let me write it right now. Sometimes I just literally have to think about like, what do I want to say here? That, as you said, it's not just about my mother, but my mother, mother is a metaphor for all of us. And it's about all of our journeys. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. my mother is your father. My mother is your father. Your father is my mother. So it's for both of them, really. Well, thank you. Um, mother to son, the last one. Um, son to mother. Yeah. Can you read a little yeah. of that? Yeah. Um, okay. You talk about emotion. I come every time I come on the show, I get emotional. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a safe place. It's a safe place to to be all the things. I'm just no gonna judgment. Read first couple of words. Son to mother. Mother, have I told you that you were the first woman I ever fell in love with? That what I've always wanted to hear in life, in life is to hear you say you love me too. That is why mine has taken me so long to write this poem. For how could I, a grown man, put words to paper if I'm that little boy, cowering beneath the power of that slap, the swing of that belt, or the slash and burn of that switch you used to beat me into fear and submission? And some folks, Ms. Hunter, would say, well, why you got to put all your business out there? Well, I do think that we have to talk about how we raise children and what's been passed along. And we seem to forget that we were beaten into submission and fear on those plantations and a lot of the stuff that happened on those plantations when our people were enslaved were passed like a baton in a relay race from generation to generation. And some of us who call ourselves Christians will quote the Bible and say, spirit of God, spoil the child. But does it mean that you beat the child into fear and submission? You don't damage their self-esteem. You don't damage their self-worth. You teach them that they should feel shame if they do something wrong, but you don't break them down the way we were broken on those plantations. But if we don't know history, if we don't read hashtag restudy travel, we don't know those things. We don't realize what we're doing to ourselves and to each other. And for me, something that Mary Baraka said is that poetry is making sense out of the chaos of the world. Sometimes the world is the poems that we live in. You feel mm -hmm. me? I feel yeah. you. And yeah. I feel with all of the, the pain and trauma that many of us are walking around with because we can't even have that conversation with our parents in the, in the sense that they would understand because after all, their parents and then their parents and their parents. So why would something I'm doing that my parents, parents, parents have done all the way back to the lash on that plantation without the understanding of what that is, that is not love, that is not love, it's submission. And it's submission to keep you alive and a submission to keep you alive and a submission to keep you alive, not to have you thrive. So how do you have that conversation? Have you had it with your mom? can't have it with my mother so I have it with myself that's why I write you know um I've tried boy I don't want to talk about that that's in the past I don't know what you're talking about you know it's a defensiveness you know because again if you don't have the 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 exposure to certain things you're not going to want to have those kind of conversations why are we bringing that stuff up you know or uh and I realized my you know my mother did the best that she could I would not be who I am if it wasn't for my mother, you know, I got my work ethic for my mother. I got my love of learning for my mother. I'm a writer because my mother, a storyteller because of my mother. 
Um, wow. You know, um, I, I love the way we speak because of my mother. You know, I mean, all so many different things I can point to. I mean, my love of music came from my mother. My mother used to sing, sing Motown songs to me as a kid. And so it was like, I realized she was planting all kinds of seeds there. You know, my appreciation for history is because of my mother. So many different things. And, I, and even when I think about it, you know, and you know, we have a film coming out next year, Karen, that I'm directing about Black manhood, Black fatherhood. We have a number, number of brothers in the films, film who have father figures in their lives who said that Black women were equally responsible before them becoming men. Well, my mother was completely responsible for becoming the man that I am, you know, and so I have to acknowledge that stuff. So I think there's a way to talk about, I think it's not either or. In America, no matter what the race or identity of people or identities of people, it's an either or conversation. I love my mother unconditionally. I love her with compassion. I understand the context of who she is, you know, but I also say that here's some things that I want to keep that my mother gave me that I want to hold on to that are invaluable. And there's some things that I can't, I got to get rid of. Like I can't deal with the stuff that was destructive. You feel mm. what I'm saying? I can't carry that with me. I can't give that to my child. I can't give that to any more partners in my life. You know what I mean? I can't I can't do those things because we keep passing this stuff on. It's like, how are we going to have conversations about white supremacy, about racism, about all the stuff that happens externally, but we're not willing to have conversations about the things internally that are a result of white supremacy that we take out on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, physician, heal thyself, right? Uh, and I, I feel like, you know, we can we have to do both things. We can't let anything go. But it's exhausting, you know, and at some point, you know, I'm going to lean into joy and happiness going into 2023. There's going to be a lot of happiness and joy uh, because I feel like we don't we do it. We do it as cover, not as 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 feeding the soul. You know, we do it as escape, you know, whether it's the strip clubs or the nightclubs and the parties, (laughs) you know, the drinking and the car parties and all, you know, they're they become escapes, not necessarily places where we lean in and actually find the pure essence of joy. What brings you joy right now, Kevin Powell? What are oh, you doing? Music. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of poems in my poetry book that are references to music. Uh, movies bring me joy. That's why I have a poem in there about Cindy Portier, our, our late great actor, and, and Cicely Tyson is a poem in there about her. Uh, sports. That's why I have a long poem about baseball in there. That's my great first great sports love. I had a therapist years ago, Karen, who said to me, when I was in one of my many depressions, um, you know, remember the things that brought you joy as a child, bring that back into your adult life and keep it close to you. And when he said that, or she said that, or they said that, I can't remember who it was. um, I was like music, sports, movies, like those things and reading. I just, I'm like, and I found, I have found in my life, if I don't have music happening for extended periods, and I definitely believe in being silent and meditating, I do that, but I'm like, I gotta have sounds, I gotta have music, I gotta have my movies, my vintage movies, you know, it's just like, I just saw Bamboozle the other day, I'm about to go see It's a Wonderful Life, it's like, you know, again. <sighs> That's on my list, that's on my it, list, yes, you know it's in my top like, five, yep. And it's okay to be happy, like, I think that we think especially those of us who are woke, quote unquote, that there's no space for being joy. And I think like, you know what you're opposed to. If you if you say you're against all this other stuff, well, what is the world you want to build? Well, to your point, Karen, that world should actually include joy. If you feel like this world is miserable over here, then the world that I'm trying to create, the world that Karen Hunter has created, your space, it has to have joy. And look at, look, you know, look at, I have Maya Angelou behind me. I have art all around my walls. You, you have art and you have images of Ida B. Wells there. I see Viola Davis behind you. I see Janet Jackson behind you. What brings me joy, man, watching Janet Jackson's video that included people like the Nicholas Brothers and, and, and Cab Calloway in the video. You know what I'm saying? I, I sit on YouTube a lot just watching classic videos, movies. 
I'm just smiling away, man, because I'm like, I got to be happy. And I refuse to go a single day where I don't do something that makes me smile. Mm. Now, come on, Blueprint. Kevin Powell is here. <laughs> Grocery shopping with my mother uh, is the book. I want to get into some stuff that's going on in the world. And I want to talk to you about. But let's go take Jay in New York. Uh, he's been holding on. You're on the Karen Hunter Show with Kevin Powell. Welcome, Jay. Yes. Good afternoon to you and to Kevin. Um, I heard Kevin the last time he was on. Um, I met Kevin maybe 32, 33 years ago on a Friday night at the New York City YMCA with a group of young people. He he knows what what I'm talking talking about. (laughs) Let Let me just finish this, Kev. And the last time that I saw Kevin was on a Friday night at the Harriet Tubman Center, uh, we was about to do a debate with Curtis Lever and the eldest shut us down. And let me say this to you, brother. I followed your career since that point on. We haven't seen each other or really interacted. I want to say this to you, brother, and with love and sincerity. The best thing you ever did in your life was go to therapy. Mm. Because from the time that I met you at that young age, brother, you, you you was a beautiful brother, conscious brother, but you was an angry brother. And we were all angry at that time because I guess whatever we was dealing with. But there was an intellect about you that was a little different than some of the other members of the group. And when I heard you talk about you went to therapy the last time you was on Carrie's show. I said, man, that was the greatest thing that brother ever did for his life because it definitely made you and improved you into who you are today, man. And I'm so happy for your success. We have some political differences at this time, but man, let me tell you, you are a beautiful brother, man, and I really, really enjoy your growth and what you've done and anybody who's listening to this program therapy works therapy works Mm. wow all praise is due to god and our ancestors um thank you um i uh you know it's funny karen because i always tell people uh at my partner now, she I said she I say to her all the time, you would have seen me back and I was wild. Yeah, was you were you wild. were you were angry. He <laughs> was, was, was right. Well, I was I was buck wild. It wasn't just yeah. it was anger, but it was also I was just wild. <laughs> you know, um But how, was, how much is that is youth too, you know, because you don't know what you don't know. And you know, got me, I, I was slightly wild myself. Um <laughs> not not as wild as you. I still, you know. But but even that, no judgment, because we all like, you know, isn't this we should grow up. I had the beauty to talk with uh, Julie Dash today. Oh, and, oh, my God. You know, I mean, but, you know, and we were talking about this thing. And I said, if you are the same 
in your 40s, 50s, 60s that you were in your 20s, something is inherently wrong. Like the, the goal is to grow, constantly grow, constantly challenge. So yes, therapy, but also you leaning into maturity. To go to therapy was a choice. It wasn't something that you were mandated by the courts to have to do. You you went to, well. because you, well, no, no. But you know, but you know, you, you leaned into being a better version of yourself, which is what we should all be striving for right we should all be well, striving for that one of the best because I, I am honest about everything I, I actually got kicked out of Rutgers and I was forced to go to therapy and uh to go back I never went back to school so I never got my degree but that therapy started me on a path of of, of self-discovery that was life-changing um and I continue to go to therapy and I think it's it's necessary in different forms I mean I'm looking for a new therapist actually because um I, I I got through I had an incredible therapist in 2020 when COVID hit to help me through a lot of stuff. But I think that it wasn't just therapy, it was also identifying elders that I could speak with and more importantly, listen to uh, and having some safe spaces with friends that that were non-judgmental. You know, I think that's important. People who are also trying to be healed. And I mean, the brother's talking about uh, uh, the period when I used to roll with Sister Soldier and there's a bunch mm-hmm. of us do something at the Harlem YMCA and rest in peace, Calvin Butts, Reverend Butts helped us get the space. When I think about it now, when he first became pastor of Abyssinian Baptist church, I mean, we were young actors. We were trying to change the world. And think about that time he's talking about, it was the central park five. It was Bensonhurst. It was Howard beach, you know, for folks who are in New York, it was, those things were like George Floyd back. Basically. It's just like that. It was the same stuff. It was right before LA rebellion, Rodney King, all that kind of stuff that was happening. And, you know, and we were angry because of the Reagan Bush years. That's what it was, it was all those things. And so when I saw Black Lives Matter explode in 2020 and people, you know, were like these young people on the streets, I was like, that's exactly what we were doing. I mean, why wouldn't they not be angry? Why they would not be angry? But um, I don't think there's anything wrong with anger. I think there's something wrong because we we're entitled as Black people, just like any other race of people, to a full range of emotions. I just understand now this proactive anger, which is let me channel that into my poetry, into my writing, into my activism, into my speeches, what are you into the things that you're building uh, and community wise, as opposed to, and, and proactive anger is about building something and, and destructive reactionary anger is just tearing down. And I had to learn a difference between the two, but I, I want to say to people, we should be righteously angry, but then what are you going to do with that? You know, or what are you turning it into? And I think that's mm-hmm. the brother's point. You know what I mean? Amen. Um, I just ordered my book because uh, it comes out tomorrow grocery shopping we're we're sending it to you i know you sign in mine but i want to have one that people can you know i'm building a library in real time so this is the one people can put their fingers on thank you you know that one that's mine that's my collector okay because you're signing it yeah i already told you i was gonna do that so uh and and pre-order today because that is important right because uh, going into tomorrow uh, when you pub, it's the pre-orders. All of the pre-orders count to the yes, first day. Yeah. They all land on the first day. That's, That's a little right. trick. Let's get this on the bestsellers list. Grocery shopping with my mother. Will you stick around? You got Absolutely. time? You got time for Thank me? You. Good, good. Because I got. I want to ask you about Kyrie when we come back. Uh, and and Van Lathan <laughs> said some things, so I'm gonna come back with a Van Lathan clip. Um, and okay. I want to talk to you about that too. Y'all don't know what the fuck you're talking about, and it's hurting us. I'm sick of going back and forth day after day after day after day with motherfuckers who didn't do the work. Mm. The shit that you're saying is bullshit. 
It's all lies. It's all dumb. It's the same shit you heard the other motherfucker say. He got it from the other motherfucker who got it from the other motherfucker who got it from the motherfucker who's trying to trick you. Mm. And then you come back and you brag about how fucking ignorant you are. It's the bragging for me. Pick up a book and read before you get your stupid ass on the internet and fuck over everybody. Mm. Van Lathan Jr. He was on deposits with Brooke England and uh, minus the expletives or maybe because of the expletives. I mean, maybe with all of the expletives, I'm, I'm coming around on the expletives myself, Kevin Powell. I'm trying to, I, the only reason why I don't use them is because my normal manner of speaking is already very, you know, uh, harsh to add a few MFs in there with it and make people cry. But Kevin Powell is here. Uh, I know you agree with the books. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I don't curse publicly at all. Uh, for the most part at all really but privately because of my mama who this book is dedicated to karen hunter i've been cursing since i was three or four years old straight up and man it's bad <laughs> but you know and it's funny because i was just looking at van lathan just sent me a we just exchanged tweets the other day dms the other day um i um <sighs> And you wanted to ask about Kyrie. Is this all connected? Well, yeah, because Kyrie? Kyrie need to read a book. But at the same time, you know, it's complicated. Um, Shannon Sharp out there saying dumb stuff about HBCUs. And maybe he was, he was like, if I if I got good grades, I wouldn't have gone to HBCU. And, you know, it's like you, you your ignorance is undermining the very, you know, cause of freedom that we're trying to fight. But that's because they put microphones in the hands of people that don't have the bandwidth to actually answer the questions and deal with the problems of life. It's not like Kevin Powell has a show. Do you know what I'm saying out there? It's not like even I have a show mainstream. I'm on Sirius XM, but they're not inviting us to to have, you know, Charlemagne's type of platforms because they know that there's no freedom gathered through those vessels because they don't have the bandwidth. And, you know, Kyrie right now, I, I feel like um, has exposed some things. Uh, some fissures in 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 our governance structure, you know, in the way in which we we are governed by this by this world. But that's a whole other conversation. And I'm trying to navigate it to to thread this needle to come back to to this, which is we need to read more. Well, I I, I agree with you. I mean, there's so many things I want to say. Uh, one, probably the best thing that happened to me um, was my mom. I'm like, if my mother with a grade school education, welfare, food stamps, government cheese, rats, roaches. That's how I grew up, y'all, period. We ain't had no books in the house. We, we had a Bible. That was it. And she read the newspaper. That was an impact on me. I saw my mother reading newspaper. I wanted to read newspaper. She made a monumental decision to take me to the library. I don't even know where she got the idea from. To take me to the library when I was eight years old. That's how I fell in love with books. She wanted to expose me. you know. And I think that I'm like, if my mother could do that, given her background and the limitations of her own life, you know, and we have access to all kinds of stuff in 2022 to 2023, where we're about to be, you know, you could read stuff on your cell phone, literally, and people don't want to read. There's something very tragic about the dumbing down of America that we've witnessed since the 1990s. I remember when I was at Vibe Magazine, Karen, and, you know, Vibe, Vibe at the time, you know, we had, you know, everybody in the cover, Snoop, Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, Prince, Tupac, I wrote about many times, cover stories. But we actually had people saying to us who were on the business side, 
that they wanted to shrink and shorten the articles because they were too long. And they said, read a poll, reader polls said that the articles are too long. What they were trying to say is that we don't want them to really think about stuff too much. We're going to shorten the articles. And more importantly, we're going to put more ads into the magazine. And so I've literally watched this dumbing down happen. And so when you bring it to, let's not, I don't want to just focus on Kyrie Irving. Let's just say several people who identify as athletes. And I'm a massive sports fan. I'm an athlete. I'm about to run my third New York City Marathon in 2023. I grew up a runner and a baseball player. I love sports, but I also read. You know what I mean? Several people who identify as athletes, just because they're now you know, making sick these huge amounts of money, people think that they should stick a microphone in front of their faces. Several people who identify as artists, specifically hip-hoppers, you know what I mean? Mainstream hip-hoppers. Being microphones being put in front of their faces, saying things like slavery was a choice, as you know who I'm talking about. You know, and this is this, yeah, there's mental health issues, but he also, Kanye, has also gone on record many times saying, I don't read. And the difference between now and say back in the in the in the 60s and 70s, and let's focus on the 60s for a second. You knew that that Kareem Abdul Jabbar was actually reading books. You knew that Bill Russell was reading books. These were the greatest athletes of their time. Even though Muhammad Ali admitted that he had a very limited form of education, he listened to Malcolm X. He listened to, to leadership and he was able to take that and articulate. If you go back and watch some of the YouTube interviews with Muhammad Ali in the late 1960s, especially after he got stripped of his heavyweight championship, his positions around race racism were so clear, so well articulated, you know, because he was paying attention. He was able to, you know, in some form, I'm not just saying everyone has to read. Ali was listening and that's how he got the information, but people are not even listening. The first thing I thought about when I saw that Kyrie had retweeted something without really thinking about it, it's like, who is around him? Who is around these people? Because also we know, Karen, you know, listen, I had, I had unfiltered access to Tupac Shakur. Today, it would be a whole bunch of publicists, managers, hanger-ons, cousins, uncles, all kinds of people blocking you from even able to have a conversation with that artist or that athlete. You know, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. You know, Nina Simone, Lorraine Hansberry, people like that, they were influenced by people who were names like Dr. King and Malcolm X. You know what I mean? There were conversations that were being had. And I literally live in the same area as Barclays where the Brooklyn Nets play. And I've said to myself, man, I wish that I had access to Kevin Durant and Kyrie and these folks because there needs to be conversations. They have huge platforms. But if you're not reading, you're not studying, you're not really thinking about how to connect the dots. I mean, I'm wondering now, honestly, and it sounds very elementary, I'm running how many of these brothers who play football, basketball, all these sports, all these folks who may have opinions about stuff, all these folks who are rappers who have opinions about stuff, how many have even actually read the autobiography, autobiography Malcolm X cover to cover? Not watched the movie or saw little clips of the movie, but actually sat there and read the book. It's an easy read. It's an mm-hmm. easy read. I would argue that the autobiography Malcolm X is on a fifth or sixth grade level reading wise, but is layered in what Malcolm is sharing. That's what makes it powerful. And so there's real danger because you know how you can tell that someone doesn't read because when they now have to defend themselves, they can't even articulate what it is they're defending because they don't actually know what they're defending. You know what I mean? They can't put sentences together. They can't tie things together to explain why they have a position that they have. And then on a real basic level, if you, you know, if you, (laughs) my fight is against racism, period. Chris Rock said it best in one of his standups years ago. I don't know which one, Karen, I don't have probably one that Wanda wrote, but go ahead. (laughs) You know what? Possibly. He said, I don't have time to slice and dice up. This one's this, this one's that. Racism is the problem. You know what I mean? 
And I'm a I'm gonna leave it there. I just think that you know that's what my fight is. It's like anyone who supports white supremacy or what we call racism, that's the problem to me. You know what I mean? And I think that if you can't articulate anything else beyond that, you shouldn't be having certain kinds of conversations because you're just going to get yourself in trouble. It's real basic. Amen. Uh, Wanda, Massachusetts, bunch of callers still holding on. Want to get to them? Hi, Wanda. You're on with Kevin Hi. Powell. Hi, Karen. I just want to say. Thank you for having this gentleman on because I was just having a conversation recently with someone and it's a racism. It sees through your bones. It, it just, Oh, it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but the fast, well, I got so much to say, but the fast forward it, he said something that took me back to a scene in 12 years of slavery where we, we were not supposed to show our emotions. And to this day, not just in your family, sir, mine, a lot of people, we're not allowed. It's like if you show emotions to a week, but then if you try to self-medicate, then, you know, that this that, that brings up another problem. But as you break it down, and then if you go see some help, then you're weak. So come on, you know what I mean? Yes. Maybe. I agree. Yeah, it's. But thank you, thank you, and I hope a lot of other people, because like I said, I was just, and I said, where does this holding emotions come from? And I said the same thing you said the other day. I said it came from slavery. Cause the piece with Orlando Bloom on American Gods. And, I mean, I'm just, you know... Okay. Uh, All right, Wanda, we got it. Orlando okay. Jones. Yeah, because Orlando Brown is problematic right now, even though happy birthday, sir. Uh, <laughs> Orlando <laughs> Bloom. Did she say Bloom? Orlando Jones uh, played Anansi on that ship. All right, I'm looking at the time. Kevin, I'm going to ask you... Go ahead, say something. We got like Thursday. For, for folks who are in New York, New, North Jersey... Um, I'm having a my holiday party and book celebration on Wednesday, this Wednesday, December 7th at seven o'clock uh, at 400 West 42nd Street. It's uh, called Serafina's Restaurant. It's on the rooftop of the of the Pod Times Square Hotel. It's free, 21 and over. I just want you to come out. You can get a signed book there. And it, it's, it's, I'm bringing back my annual holiday party that I used what? to have. Wait, wait, when is this? Wednesday, December 7th, this Wednesday in New York City uh, at the uh, Serafina's Restaurant, the rooftop of Serafina's is at the, t- at the rooftop of a hotel at 400 West 42nd Street, free 21 and over. DJ John, quick shout out to him. And we'll be selling copies of Grocery Shopping with my mother there because I'm doing New York today on Wednesday. They were doing L.A. on Saturday what? at Post, Post and Beam. We're doing a, a holiday brunch at Post and Beam on Saturday in L.A. Uh, at 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And I'm just telling folks, just just hit me up on social media, Kevin Powell in Brooklyn on Facebook or, or Instagram, and we'll send you the fly. We'll send you the details for it. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I realized you have a, people are literally texting me, Karen Hunter from all around the country saying they're listening to you right now. I'm like, this well, is They're dope. listening to you. They're listening to you. Yeah. All right. Let's tweet out all of this team uh, where people for free, Sarafina's, and I love Sarafina's. So yeah, I'm like, hmm, 42nd Street. Uh, what time? Seven o'clock. Let me see if I can get there. How quickly can I get there uh, after the show just to see you and get my hug? Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.